Finally, our, our sacred text for this Lord's Day morning is that precious text in Psalm 119, 105, which we read earlier. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. The inspired penman here, David, King David, uh, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, pens these precious words, which no doubt has been to a great comfort to many souls over the years. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. So simple uh, that a, a little child can understand it, and yet so deeply and spiritually profound. Of course, the thy word here is referring to the word of God. The word of God is this spiritual light which we all need in this dark world that we're living in, friends. It is the Word of God. And friends, in, in the days of, of King David, you didn't have many streetlights, of course, um, like you do nowadays. You didn't have motorway lights, you didn't have streetlights. Of course, King David was uh, in one of those eastern cities in Jerusalem, and, and so the need of a lamp, to have a lamp, was absolutely crucial in those days. It, it was vital, dear friends. Having a well-prepared lamp filled with oil meant that one could avoid the many stumbling blocks and the many hazards in, in life. I mean, they didn't have all the conveniences and all the, the lights that we have nowadays. Having a lamp was absolutely crucial in those days, and David knew it. Especially in those, you think of those eastern cities like Jerusalem with its many pits and its many galleyways and, uh, and um, rough walls and uh, refuge uh, pits and obstacles. And so having a lamp, dear friends, really meant that you could, you could navigate yourself around in the evening and, of course, early in the morning. It also meant that one could safely be guided on their various journeys. Uh, they didn't have all the modern luxuries that we do nowadays. Journeys took a lot longer back then, and often they would be traveling in the evening and early in the morning. And so having a lamp was absolutely vital. It, it's, we know from the parable of virgins the necessity of having a lamp, and in particular a well a well-oiled lamp. And we know that a lamp was, was crucial for people in those days, for, for journeys as well. And having a well-prepared lamp filled with oil also meant that one could also perform the many practical duties that they have. I mean, me and some of the girls here last night, we were fixing up the duck pen <laughs> with the dark in the winter. It got dark early, and we still needed to do many things. And there was a number of the girls, one shining a light, I'm here with a staple gun. And without that light, we, <laughs> I probably would have got a staple in my finger. And so we just take for granted, do we not, these modern luxuries. But you see, back then, the context, a lamp was absolutely crucial, friends. And so suffice to say that without a lamp and a light, one would be deeply hampered 
in those days. And no doubt they would fall and lose their journeys and, and often stumble, friends, and uh, completely lose their path. They would go astray. Friends, the inspired penman, King David, really is painting us here a true spiritual picture of how we are to be directed aright in this dark world. Really, pictures as a city, dark world, dark city of sin. How we are spiritually to be directed aright, friends. And contrary to popular opinion, there is a right way in life, and there's a wrong way in life. There is a way, dear friends, which we know is good and evil. And we see it all around us, do we not? There's a, a darkness and there's a light. And the problem is, is that we, we, try, we switch ourselves off to these truths, that there is a right and a wrong. Everything is not relative. That's the lie that we've been told. There is a right and there's a wrong. There is a dark and evil. A darkness and a good. There's a, there's a light and, and a darkness. And friends, it is the absolute intention here of the psalmist to show us that if we would have true security for the soul and true peace in this life, and that, of course, for the eternity to come, we must consult our God through the Holy Scriptures. We must consult and be guided by our Maker's most precious words, which He has penned down and this precious book that we have set before us, which is ever old and is faithful. These words are inspired by holy men of old, who God so inspired and gave them the exact words here today to guide us in this dark world. God, friends, who cannot lie, has given us His precious word. Thy word. And it is forever settled in heaven, then although there are, there are, these are not men's words, friends, these are God's words. These words are more precious than, than gold. And friends, God has given his word as a light to the world, dear friends. And the counsel of the Lord, dear friends, that will stand forever. Not men's passing opinions. Not what Hollywood ideals tell us. Not what uh, certain periods of time tell us. No, the word of the living God, that counsel, will stand forever. All the prophecies of old concerning the word of God, concerning Christ, have come absolutely true, stunningly true. When we think of Isaiah's prophecy, Isaiah 53, that man of sorrows, the graphic detail in which hundreds of years of paints of, of the Saviour, what you'd have to endure, and how stunningly accurate that came true. And the many other prophecies of old, and the many promises that God makes, they're all true, and they've all come true, dear friends. It's the counsel of the Lord that will stand in the end. Thy will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, the Word of God to, to know the Word of God is to know the will of God for our lives, the revealed will of God. And friends, if one does not take seriously the Word of the living God through the Holy Scriptures, 
Their souls, dear friends, lie in great eternal peril. And so with that in mind, for this Lord's Day morning, I'd just like us to very simply consider the following three points. Very simply consider the following three points for our sacred text. Firstly, why you and I need, personally, a lamp and a light, spiritually speaking. Why you and I, personally, need a lamp and a light, spiritually speaking. Secondly, why you and I need, a, 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 need practically, a, a lamp and a light, spiritually speaking. And thirdly, why you and I need continually uh, a lamp and a light, dear friends, in this dark world that we live in. So, why we need, you and I need personally, practically, and continually this precious lamp, which King David is referring to here, in this dark world of sin. And so firstly, our first point, why you and I personally need a lamp. Notice it says a lamp and then a, uh, and then a light. Why you and I personally need a lamp and a light. Well, David shows us, doesn't he, the absolute necessity of having a lamp in those, those, those days, the historical context, in those eastern cities, it was vital to have a lamp. And we know that from the parable of the virgins and other passages. And so, and so too, dear friends, does the, the psalmist reveal man's great need of having an, an internal lamp. A, a lamp for the soul. A, a spiritual lamp in this dark city called life. We need an internal lamp. Not just an outward one, but an internal one. A lamp for the soul, a light for the soul. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Friends, the word of God is teaching us that this world, despite what men and the media will tell you, is a very dark place. Indeed, dear friends, Everything has been corrupted. Everything has been tainted with sin. This, this world is not our friend, dear friends. Despite the many people who try to make this world our grand utopia with a climate agenda, saying, well, this, we must save this world. And dear friends, this world is not our friends. 1 John 5.19 says that the whole world lieth in wickedness. This whole world, life in wickedness, because of the fall, everything has been corrupted. True happiness, dear friends, and true peace cannot come from this world. We need this spiritual lamp, this lamp for our souls that David had, dear friends, to guide us and to direct us in this life. Proverbs 14.12 says that there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. There is a way that seems right to a man. We, we, we grow up, don't we, in our culture, and we're told this is the way you should go in. Live for number one, live for yourself. Live for Hollywood ideals. Live for the passing fashions of this world. Get, get these things in life. This, that's the way that seems right unto a man. But we're, 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 this is how you are to, you can get happiness and contentment in life. If you get these things, if you get these, these worldly securities. And yet, we know that that's going to lead to death. 
dear friends. We know that one day we will all stand before our Maker. Our ways by our nature are sinful. And so personally, we are separated from our Maker. Our sin separates us from our Holy God. And it is therefore, dear friends, our duty. It is upon all of us, because God has put it within us, you see, friends. It is our, all of our duty to consult and to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. We're made to worship Him. And if we do not consult the Holy Scriptures, if we do not seek Him, dear friends, well, we're, we're in darkness. We don't have any uh, internal lamp, spiritual lamp for the soul. That's what David is concerning us with here today. Our text says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Notice the psalmist here, and the inspiration of God, says, My feet and my path. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and, and a light unto my path. He is, he, is, he is using very personal words here. He's not saying collectively, a lamp, uh, thy word is a light unto our, our feet and our path. This is a very personal thing to David. The word of God is very personal to David. He knows that, that he cannot uh, go to heaven because of his father, Jesse, because his father was a believer. He knows that he cannot go to, to, go to, to he cannot get right with God by Israel, by being part of Israel. He knows that. It's just like today, we cannot, we cannot get right with God, even if we belong to a solid Bible-believing church, even if we're brought up as Christians. These things are very helpful, helpful don't get me wrong. And we should, we should bless the Lord for these things. But we cannot get right with God collectively. It's a personal thing, isn't it? God, we have to have a personal, we have to personal, personally do business with God. There has to be a personal transaction with God. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Here's a personal thing for David. And a light unto my path. This is not a collective thing. This is a very personal, intimate thing here. This is a personal endeavor between a man and his God, or a woman and her God, or a child and her God. And notice, secondly, the Word of God gives us a twofold instruction. Do you notice that? A very clear twofold instruction here. Thy Word is a lamp, a lamp, unto my feet. That's the first process. That's the first instruction. And the second instruction, and a light unto my path. It doesn't, it doesn't say that the light is from the lamp. It says, a, a lamp unto my feet, that's the first instruction, and a light unto my path. Two, two instructions here, friends. Divinely inspired of the Lord God. When any poor lost sinner is woken up by the quickening power of the Holy Spirit, there is typically a spiritual process that takes place. When the providential storms of life wake someone up, Perhaps there's a death in the family. Perhaps sickness happens. There can be many arrows which the Lord uses to wake someone up, dear friends. Perhaps through a preacher online or whatever it may be. And the, the Holy Spirit starts to quicken and wake someone up. 
The first process, dear friends, we see here, is an immediate one. It's an urgent one. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. To my feet. This is an urgent, immediate light to my feet. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. This is talking about someone's direction. I, when someone is woken up by the Spirit of God, and perhaps the Lord is correctly preached, someone is woken up and thinks, hold on a second, the way in which I'm going in life is wrong. I'm headed in the wrong way. The, the, the way I'm living my life is a very careless way. I've ignored God, I've ignored His law for many years. I'm headed in the wrong way. And suddenly, like the children of Israel, those thunderings of the commandments really start to... to uh, to work upon someone's heart. They come through as thunder. And so the word becomes as a lamp unto my feet. I must change my life. I must turn from ignoring God's commandments and, and turn from my carelessness. I must start to think upon God's commandments and, and His standards. I must think upon His holy standards and turn from my carelessness. And so the commandments and the law of God is a lamp unto my feet because they show me my immediate urgent need to be made holy. They show me I must be made holy because I know if I'm not holy, I'm not going to be accepted into Christ's kingdom of light. It's a paradise. I will not be accepted. Nothing that defiles will ever enter, in, enter into Christ's kingdom. I must be made holy. And this, dear friends, when a, a poor, any poor lost sinner is woken up, it has this immediate urgent effect. I cannot carry on breaking God's law with abandon. I must in some way be conformed to it. Proverbs 6.23 says, For the commandment is a lamp. The commandment is a lamp. And the law is a light. A reproof of instruction are the way of life. The commandment is a lamp. And the law is a light. When, dear friends, someone has woken up, through the proclamation of the, the Word of God, the full counsel of the Word of God. Not just the love, but the full counsel of the Word of God, the law. When someone is woken up and they realize that they're a hell-deserving sinner, and that it's not just about their outside, but that God looks at their inside of their hearts, well, then the thunderings come down, don't they? They understand, dear friends, their predicaments. They understand, they, they, they soon very quickly need to turn from these things. When the law is preached correctly, it discovers a man's inability to get right with God through the law keeping. They understand, well hold on a second, they, the law is like this giant wall, as it were. This impenetrable wall, and they think, how on earth can I keep this law? How can I be admitted into Christ's kingdom? It's impossible. The law comes, dear friends, as thunder and lightnings, as it were, like the children of Israel we read earlier. And they say, Don't, I can't come to God. Tell Moses to come to God. I, I, I don't want to approach God. He is holy and just. The law, when we think of, of the law and the commandments, which one of us could have come up with the law of God? Which one of us could have come up with these holy commandments? We would not want them, friends. These are from God. These are penned by the finger of God. And they were written upon those tablets. And they are written upon the tablet of our hearts, friends. The commandments, dear friends, 
are a lamp unto my feet. Because when I realize the perfection of them, when I realize the righteousness of the Lord, when I realize that they are right, and only God could have made them, oh friends, when that truly comes, when this initial process, and often these things, this, this process in terms of salvation can happen immediately, or can happen over time with some people. But when this happens, a personally, secondly, practically starts to clean up their life. Well, I, well, well, I need to clean up my life. I, I need to repent of, of my neglect and my abuse of my maker. The Lord comes like thunder to my heart as it did with the children of Israel. A person starts to immediately put away sinful habits, starts, starts to put away things that they've been watching, things which they're in. Heart religion becomes real to them. They stop uh, watching. They avoid particular temptations. They, they shun evil companions. They start to go to, to church and they, they want to live a pious life. And so they, they, there is a true turning away from wicked things and, and evil things. And they, they want to, to please God now. This is the first instruction, the first process, the beginnings, as it were of the quickening power of the Holy Spirit, where the double-edged sword of the Word is used, friends. The Word of God is a lamp unto my feet, because it changes straight away, urgently, the course of someone's life. They realize, I'm headed in the wrong way, I'm headed to hell if I carry on the way I'm going. Because it informs me of my immediate need of change. My course of life must change if I expect to get right with God. And now friends, if it were left at that, if it were left at that, it would be commendable. Because it's, it is so important to turn from sin to God's law and to God's ways. After all, the psalmist said, thy law is perfect, converting the soul. And what he doesn't mean is it's not, it doesn't convert us in terms of salvation, but it points us. It points us to Christ. It turns us, as it were. It changes our direction. And so it's commendable if someone turns from a wicked life and a sinful life. You know, you hear preachers say, like, don't, don't do that. Well, they should do that. People should turn from a sin. The law should be a check upon people's sin. That's what it's designed to do, to put a check upon sin. And so it's important that people do, and these are commendable things, that people, if they are abusing the Lord's uh, holy day, if they are watching wicked things upon, on TV, if they're giving their hearts to, to wicked things, well, they must turn from those things. Those things are wicked and evil. That's right. But dear friends, if it's left at that, that is not enough to enter into the kingdom of God. That is not enough. That will get you, as it were, to the gates of the kingdom, like those virgins. That will get you to the right up to the gates. That will get you, as it were, almost in sight. But that will not be enough for you to enter into the kingdom of God. Because our text says, doesn't it, that the word of, is a lamp. God's word is a lamp unto not only my feet, but it's a light unto my path. It shows me all the way home. It takes me all the way to the kingdom of God. Not just immediately changes my, my course of life. The, the, the light 
There must be a, another light that shows me all the way home, that shines all the way home to the kingdom of God, all the way home to true salvation. The former, dear friends, speaks of the law and the lamp and its immediate effect upon a sinner's direction in life. And the latter, whilst the latter, a, a, a light unto my path, speaks of the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And only Christ, through what he has done on the cross of Calvary, can lead us all the way home into glory, into a personal relationship with him, like the, like the psalmist knew. You see, he is the only one holy enough and obedient enough to have kept the commandments internally and externally. We fall miserably short every day. And so this light that is described in the latter half of our text here is describing Christ, who is the light of the world, who is the, the, the son of righteousness that brings us to newness of life, that changes something which is in the ground and dark and deep in the and though he be a great gulf away, he draws us, as it were, with that life, the spiritual life. He raises that which is dead, the dead seed in the ground. He raises it to newness of life. And only Christ can do that. Because he is the only one that's paid the, the full cost of our sin and died for our sin. And so only through him can we be made righteous. Only through him can we have perfect righteousness and obedience put upon us if we trust in his merits, if we trust on his resurrection, that he died and suffered for all of our sins, that we are, the law says that we are guilty before God, and that we must repent of our sins and change our direction in life, and that we must look to Christ the light of the world, the one that can raise us up to newness of life, that we must look to him and him alone for salvation, full and free and lasting. And he promises he will give us his Holy Spirit. And so whilst the latter, friends, and light unto our path speaks of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, only Christ can lead us home to glory. Only Christ can lead us into his glorious kingdom of light so that we are children of light, no longer children of darkness. Can any of us say, dear friends, that we've kept the commandments perfectly all the time? We can't say that, can we? None of us can say that. Can we say that I have, can I say that I love God in a summary of the commandments with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength, with all my mind? I can't say that. And none of us can say that. We are all guilty before our holy God. All of us. We all fall way short of that. The desire of the heart. That's what it talks about. Your desire. Every minute of every day. Have you had a perfect desire towards God? Of every minute of every day. Have you, have you always had a perfect uh, mind and understanding towards God? Have you ever thought upon a sinful thing? Have you ever had a sinful imagination? Have you ever abused God's holy day? Have you ever had an unfaithful thought? Of course we all have friends. And we all fall short of this. But Christ never did. Christ who is God in the flesh never ever sinned. And so he is the only one qualified and just enough to take our sin away. Because God is a God of justice. And so justice has to be satisfied. 
for any poor sinner to be admitted into his glorious kingdom. And that's why we need the light of the world. He needs to take our sin and pay the full debt of it. And that's what he did on the cross of Calvary for us. And so only the light of the world, Christ, can put us on that narrow way. It's a narrow way, friends. It's a very, very narrow way. We cannot take our good works with us. We cannot take anything with us, friends. Only Christ. Christ must be first in our hearts, dear friends, on that narrow way that leads to eternal life. Christ was the light to Saul on that dark, on that dark Damascus road, wasn't he? It was Christ who was uh, Saul's light, wasn't he? When the light of Christ's gospel came shining into Saul's heart, it changed him from the inside out. Before that, it was all outward for, for Saul. It was all outward for him. But when the light, Christ, shone into his heart, dear friends, it changed him from the inside out. First a new heart, and then a new name. Saul's name changed to Paul. A new man, dear friends. That's what is required. We must become a new man. A new name. Christian. A true Christian. A Christian that is utterly depending upon the light of the world, Christ. That's, it must be the case. And when this happens to any poor lost sinner, Christ becomes first. And this is our third point now. Continually. When this happens to any poor lost sinner, Christ becomes first in their lives. Then, the, then truly does the law and the prophets and the word of God all point to Christ. They all point to Christ. They so burn the brighter in our hearts. All the Old Testament sacrifices, the, the, the lamb without blemish, well it points to Christ, the one without blemish, the sinless one. When, when someone is truly converted, then there's no longer the servile fear anymore, the shaking fear. No, no, there's a filia fear. I can call God my Father in heaven because the Lamb of God, without blemish, the spotless one. That's who the Old Testament was speaking about. All the shadows and types. Moses was a type who intercedes between me and God. It was him. There was Christ in Moses as a type. All these things point to, to Christ, the light of the world. And when we realize this, friends, that the scriptures just burn the brighter. Remember the Lord's disciples when Christ spoke to them by the way in Luke 24. They said, did not our heart burn within us when he talked to us by the way and opened up to us the scriptures? Christ, the light when God, through Christ, gave them that understanding, the scriptures were opened up more fully. Things, the dark things in the Old Testament, the shadowy things, well, the gospel became so bright and clear. The prophecies, the types, they all come to life. I see Christ in all of them. Now, there's not a passage in the scripture where I don't see Christ in anymore. This is, this is what happens when the scales are taken off the eyes, friends. Friends, if God's word has truly been a lamp to you, inasmuch as it has caused you to repent of your heart sins, not just the outward, but your heart sins, and if you have sought refuge in the Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, you will have an, an internal light for the soul. 
And it doesn't matter what happens to you outwardly. We may suffer sickness. We may go through difficult times. But we have that internal light. Christ living in us because we trust in him. Because we've repented of our sins and trusted in the light in Christ. This is wonderful, friends. The light will forever be your faithful guide, dear friends. Your internal faithful guide. It will give you a love for the word of God. The light will never flicker and fail you, friends. Never. Men's words, dear friends, will never bring lasting comfort and peace. But God's word will always, always, dear friends, be faithful. It will never flicker. It will never let you down. The light will shine in dark providences and circumstances of life, like it did with Peter in that prison cell, friends. It will open up place, situations which you just cannot do. The light will never run out of oil, dear friends. When, when you're saved, you can never, ever lose your salvation. Yes, you can backslide, you can fall, but you can never truly lose the Holy Spirit if you're a Christ. Never, ever Listen to those who teach that you can lose your salvation if you're a truly Christian. If you go back into the world and you live in the world, then you're not truly a Christian. But if, but if yes, Christians can backslide, but you can never lose your salvation. The light will never run out of oil. The Holy Spirit, dear friends, will be yours forever. Forever. And so in conclusion, the Lord Jesus said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Do you have it? That's the question. Do you have it? Do you have Christ in your life? Is he first in your life and in your heart? It's a serious thing, friends. If, if Christ is not first, he's last. We cannot, we cannot put anything before our Creator. God will not compete with the creature. Is he first in your life? Can you say with the changed Apostle Paul, who was a changed man, who had that internal light and lamp in his heart, can you say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain? Are you afraid to die? Or are you still afraid? Or do you have Christ, friends? I am the light of the world, says the Lord Jesus Christ. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. You'll have eternal life living in you. New principles and desires and hopes. This is wonderful, isn't it? Nothing can beat that experience for the, for the true Christian. And you'll know, believers will know exactly what I'm talking about when that transformation takes place. Nothing can beat it. Nothing can beat it. Well, I trust and hope, dear friends, that we will all truly know of the precious light of the gospel in our hearts. And if, if there's anyone here, here today that is still actually on the sidelines, I do pray that it won't be long until they truly come to Christ with everything utterly dependent upon Him. Amen. Amen.